Leviticus 23, starting at verse 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old, without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the grain offering with it shall be two-tenths of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hin. And you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved, made of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. And you shall present with the bread seven lambs, a year old, without blemish, and one bull from the herd and two rams. They shall be a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offerings, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You shall offer one male goat for a sin offering and two male lambs, a year old, as a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priests shall wave them with the bread of the firstfruits as a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And you shall make a proclamation on the same day. You shall hold a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a statute forever in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. It's God's word. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, um, man, that, that this is about Jesus somehow. Uh, thank you, this points us to Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you would you'd settle our hearts, you'd settle our minds. Lord, life may have a lot of things going on, but I just ask that right now you would you'd help us to just sit down, like in, in, our, in our soul, our soul would just take a, sit, a seat at the feet of Jesus and that we would hear from you. God, truly, we need, we need to hear from you. We need your presence. So thank you for your word. Would you speak through me? Help me just to make it clear what you've, what you've spoken here, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so tonight, we get to go into, uh, I get the privilege and joy of talking about probably the most off-limit subject there is. It's, pr- it's probably, honestly, the most off-limit subject. Not sex. That one's people are like, oh, what's he going to say about that? It's not sex. Do you know what it is? It's your money. We get to talk tonight about your money. Uh, you know, money in the church has an interesting relationship. Uh, it's typically pretty unpopular because the church does 
often does not do a good job with money. Um, there was a time where like the more money you had, the more of your sins could be forgiven, the more people who died who didn't know Jesus could be taken out of hell. Like there was a time when the church literally was like, give us your money and you'll save souls. I think the, the phrase was every time a, a coin in the coffer rings, Travis, what's the rest? I forget. Something about a bell in heaven, souls, I don't know. It was some clever statement of like, you put some money in, you can save somebody. And so the church used money. Um, Bono, if you guys know Bono of U2, he's kind of old, but uh, he's pretty critical of the church in this area. And uh, in a, a song, he says, the God I believe in isn't short of cash. And he's just kind of calling out like, man, the church uses uh, its authority to abuse and just take money from people. We all know those televangelists or whatever who are like, hey, write me a check and I will heal or God will heal, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, it's true. God doesn't need your money. Do you know, I'll just say that right now. God doesn't need your money, um, but he does want you to give it to him. But he doesn't need your money. Uh, and here's the thing. Jesus wasn't afraid to talk about money. You know, Jesus talked more about money than he talked about heaven and hell. Jesus was not afraid to talk about money. Could you imagine Jesus literally coming to church and just flipping tables over of money and just like, what are you doing? Just the book table, just coins everywhere. Jesus actually did that. Uh, Throughout this book, God's not afraid to talk about money. He's not afraid to talk about it. Um, And so my job is to be faithful to tell you what God has said. So we're gonna talk about money tonight. So we're gonna talk about your money. So you guys ready? It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be good. Uh, so here's the big picture. Literally, this is the big picture. God wants your money. Did you know that? God wants your money. He doesn't need your money, but he wants your money. And specifically, to use the language of Leviticus 23, he wants your first fruits. What is that? Your very best and the very first portion of your money. God wants your very the best. And the, the moment you get money, he's like, I want some of that right now. Your first fruits. He wants your first fruits. Um, I'll be honest with you, a personal confession here. Uh, so I'm Dutch. I don't know if you guys know about Dutch people, but I'm Dutch and like I'm actually Dutch, like culturally Dutch. I was saving for my car when I was four years old. I was literally saving for my car when I was four years old. That was just in me. That was in my dad. He's like, son, you're going to save your money. And by the time you get to 16, you'll be able to. And I was like, yes, I am saving my money. And so every little bit of money I would get, I would actually save my money. And I paid for my truck when I was 16. That's just like a cool little Dutch thing. Uh, I, I learned about working hard. I learned about saving your money. I learned about, hey, a man's supposed to provide for his family. I, I learned about retirement. I learned about insurance. I learned about, hey, making sure you have enough, make sure you have savings so in case something comes, in case something breaks last minute, you don't have to go borrow money and now you're in debt. Like, I'm Dutch. That's, this may be a little cliche, but it's actually a very, if you know Dutch people, that's just, they're, they're about that. They're about like, hey, get your act in order, get your, get your money together, save, work hard. Um, and so that's a, actually a good thing. But here's the thing. I'm also very prone to greed, I'm also very prone to worry, and I'm also very prone to anxiety when it comes to money. That's just like in me. Like probably the majority of my worries have to do with money or not having enough money or what would happen if this, and what if my wife and I both lost our jobs right now? How long could we survive? Like those thoughts literally go through my head. Actually, like within these past two weeks, those thoughts go through my head. Uh, So this is a hard one for me to be on, just to be honest, money and when God's like, give me your money, that's a hard thing for me personally. 
Um, and so we're going to walk through and, and look at a couple points in chapter 23. So if you have your Bible, make sure it's open. Uh, and the first thing we need to notice is this. In, in 23 verse 10, God makes a really significant point when he starts talking about money. This is what he says. He says, um, I'll just read it. Speak to the people of Israel, say to them, when you come into the land, what are the next words? That I give you. Okay, so here's a, most, this is a really important starting point. The land itself is a gift from God. So the very thing that produces the fruit is a gift from God. Your very ability to work, your job, this, the place where you work, the land, everything that provides for you is a gift from God. That's the first point God wants to make. He's saying, hey, the land itself is not only your money, not only your fruit, the land itself. There's this verse in Deuteronomy, uh, a couple of verses in Deuteronomy 8, verse 17 and 18. I'll read this. God says this, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. God's saying, watch out that you think you earned your wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. So important starting point when it comes to our money, when it comes to thinking about God and our money and working and jobs and first fruits is the very fact that you have money, that you have the ability to get money, that you have parents who give you money, that you have a job and you work hard for money. Everything that exists was a gift from God to you. Your talents, your, your work ethic or lack of work ethic, whatever, it's, it's God provided that for you. And so this is what he's kind of saying. He's cutting our legs off right from the beginning. Like, hey, you can't claim that stuff's yours. I give you the ability to get it. And that's an important starting point. And then the second thing he says this, it's also in verse 10. When you come to the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest. So here's the point. God says, I want your first fruits. I want your best. Uh, in other places in the Bible, he clarifies what exactly he's talking about there. And he's, the, the word for it is a tithe. You maybe heard that. That means 10%. We see in many different places this model that God says, I want 10% and I want it the, the moment you get your money, the moment you get your fruits, the moment you get something, I want 10% right off the bat. Um, this, is, this is hard for us, so let's be practical real quick. So you guys probably have heard that. You guys have probably heard of tithing. If you've been around the church at all, you've probably heard about tithing. Um, and here's how it typically goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with like being generous and tithing, but this is how we normally do it. We wait to kind of like the end of the month and then we see how much do we have and am I able to tithe? And oh, I don't really have enough to tithe. I'll give something though. And that's kind of like how we do it. That's honestly how I do it. But God's saying, no, the moment you get money, the first thing you should do with it is give some to me. I want it the moment you get it. He's not saying I want your leftovers. He's saying you have 90%. Just think of it that way. You have 90% to work with because from the very beginning, I'm taking 10%. Um, and then he says, skip down to verse 14. You shall you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh until the same day until you have brought the offering of your God. You know what God's saying right there? He's like, hey, I don't even want you to eat food until you give me your, my first fruits. That's what God's saying. You're not even supposed to eat. So you're feeling this like, I'm hungry, but man, I'm not even supposed to eat this until I give it to God. God's saying, don't even spend a dollar until you've given your tithe to him. That hurts a little bit, right? Let's be real. Like, that's, oof, okay. Um, he doesn't say, like, 
See if it works out for you. He's saying, this is what I'm calling you to do. Now, uh, I want you guys to, think, to notice this. This law of first fruits was for the poorest person to the most wealthy person. Everyone was called to offer their first fruits. So here's, here's another uh, trap we think when we think about giving money to God. Okay, yeah, when I get a job, like a real job, then I'll start practicing tithing. Or you know what, to be honest, right now, all I have, I'm like a full-time student and all I have is from my parents. My parents like give me an allowance. Like I don't really, can't really give that because it's not even really mine. So like maybe one day or like, man, right now I'm, I'm working and I just can't survive unless I give money. But there's, the day's coming, I want to get there. You know, all spiritual growth, one day I'll get there and I'll give God my tithe. But God is saying right now, no matter how poor you are, I'm asking for 10% of what you get from me. And there's this, this is a biblical principle. It's a principle of the universe. This is just true. God says, he who's faithful with a little is faithful with much. That's just true. If you can't tithe now, you're not gonna tithe one day when you get your job. That's just a true, you're not all of a sudden gonna change who you are to the core and I'll do it one day. God's saying, if you're faithful with a little, if you tithe on your $100 allowance that you get a month from your parents, if you do that, you'll, you'll continue to tithe. He, God is not saying one day when you get your act together. He's saying right now, I'm calling you to give to me. It's never like a practical thing. It's never like, God, I don't have enough money. It's, he's saying, I'm just calling you to do it. Um, so there was a season when uh, my wife and I just got, we just graduated college. We just got married. It's a long story, but we weren't expecting to be in Santa Barbara. So we're here last minute. Um, we like graduated, got married, went on our honeymoon, moved into, into apartment and we had no jobs. I would not recommend that as a strategy, which is what happened. Um, and so we were just job searching for two months, two months living in Santa Barbara, which is like, it's a lot of money. Um, and my, all of my life savings that I saved as a Dutch boy just was like, shoop, shoop. and I was just like, oh my gosh. We finally got jobs. Um, we honestly got three, between the two of us, three minimum wage jobs and an unpaid internship. And we were just like surviving, just surviving. And um, there's a, a little season there when even me and my Dutch work ethic self, like we were just short we, we were short a certain amount, and that amount was exactly what our tithe would be, right? So let's say you make $2,000. We were short $200 a month, and that was our tithe, 10%. And I was just like, oh my gosh, we're gonna die. But God's asking me to give him the money. Like, we're gonna die though, God. And that was an actual season. That was an actual season for my heart. And I was like, I like tithing. It's a good thing. My dad's like, you better tithe. I don't care no matter what you're tithing. Um, but there was a season when my like, hands on my money was just like, I don't know if I'm willing to let it go right now. I don't know if I'm willing to let it go. Um, and I, I think God intentionally brought us into that season where it was the exact amount that we were short. And he's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Um, and so we did for like two months. And it was... <laughs> We were like, fine, but I was like, this is the end of life itself. We just lost $200 this month. Like, I just was like undone. Um, and do you know what? The Lord began to like grow. Do you know what he actually did was begin to free our hearts, to learn to trust him. It, it was like two months, and then uh, my unpaid internship turned into like a $500 a month stipend. 
And so it, God was like, do you know what? Here's your tithe plus some, like, and it was a significant, like, wow, Lord, like, I just went through this season where I didn't have enough, and you provided for me, and I learned to trust him, and my grip on money loosened a little. And it's still, to be honest, it's still a battle, but that was a season that he brought me through. And so God says, I want you to give me 10%. And then he, look what he says to do with the money. This is really interesting and important. Look at verse 11. And he shall, so you bring your, your first fruits to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord. So here's the thing. You take your tithe, but you bring it to the priest. You bring it, in a sense, to God, okay? This is the priest representing God. You go, you bring the priest to God. And then what does the priest do? The priest doesn't just say, thank you very much. He then does this weird thing where he's waving it before the Lord. And then, verse 12, then you got to get a lamb. So in addition to your tithe, you go get this lamb. And then, then, then you do, take a grain offering. So it's like, you give your tithe, but then you take, give it to the priest. He's doing this weird thing. All these animals are sacrificing. And every time you were to tithe, that happened like what is going on why are why are sacrifices being made when you just are giving your tithe and there's two points uh why are you bringing it to god number one god doesn't need your money god does not need your money uh you are never able to put god in your debt you just are not able to like god remember that couple hundred bucks i gave you that one time like you know you you can't do that to him uh there's this verse in Acts 17 where Paul says, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to mankind life and breath and everything. So we bring our money to God, but it's important to remember God doesn't need it. He isn't served by us. So why are we bringing our money to God? Why all these weird sacrifices? And here's the point. Our giving of our first fruits, of our tithe, is an act of worship. That's why you bring it to a priest. That's why he does this waving and he's killing animals. Giving money to God is worship. God is worthy. <laughs> is God not worthy of 10% of your money? Is he not worthy of 10%? It's a statement when you give your tithe, when you give your first fruits, it's a statement that, you know what? God is worthy of my worship and God is my God. Money is not my God. I'm giving my money to the Lord. And so there was a ceremony when you did it because it was a statement of worship to the Lord. God doesn't need your money, but you need to worship God with your money. And so it was a statement that I am worshiping God. Uh, Later, Jesus would say, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't do that. You can't be like, yeah, I like money and God's my God. You, you, You can't serve both. It's as if your heart has a throne in it and there's room for one person on it, one thing. And if it's money, God, there's no room for God. And if it's God, then there's actually no room for money. You can't have it both. Money can't like sit on God's lap and they can hang out together. And so God says, I want you to give this to me as a statement of who is your God and what is your God. And if you're not willing to give me 10%, guess what? You have another God and it's not me. God is saying this is an act of worship. And one of the best tests if money is your God is, are you willing to give it away? Are you willing to give it away? Because if you're not, maybe it's seated on the throne of your heart. And so God said, I want you to give me a first fruits. And then the, 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 the last little bit of verses, he kind of repeats himself, but God makes an entire festival of the first fruits. 
where not only do you just, every time God provides for you, you give to him your first fruits. He's like, I want an entire festival, like a holiday. Every year, you to remember who gave you this land, who gave you the ability to work, who made, who brought the rain, who does the magic where things grow out of the ground and you can take from it. Like God is saying, I want you to remember that this is all from me. And then the last key component in our text, go all the way down to verse 22, is this. Uh, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor. Here's a big piece of what God wants us to do with our money. God talks about caring for the poor thousands of times in the Bible. So number one, when we give our first fruits, it's like a statement of God is my God. The number two God also has this dual purpose where he's caring for the poor, where he's like, I want you to care for the poor with your money. I want you to be generous with the poor. That's part of why we give our money to God. Um, If you're like me, these questions come in my head. Yeah, but okay, sure, give to the poor. But let's be real. Like there's a guy sitting on State Street and are you telling me, me giving him money is a good thing? And we've probably all thought of this and seen this and heard this. All he's going to do is going to abuse it. All he's going to do is go buy drugs or alcohol. You know, if I'm like, hey, do you want food? They always say no. So am I really helping them by giving them money? And did you know God never, ever says in the Bible, give money unless they're going to abuse it? Do you know he never says that? Did you know he always simply says, be generous to the poor? Did you know Jesus says, always give to him who asks of you. Do you know Jesus said that? Yeah, Jesus, but what if they're gonna abuse it? Do you know what that'd be like? That'd be like us and God every single day, right? Does God say, I'm only gonna be generous with people if they never abuse it? And do you know what? They're not gonna, they're gonna abuse it, so I'm not being generous. Is that what God does? Is that the gospel? No, he doesn't. He says, I simply, he, I bring rain on the evil and the good. I'm generous to the evil and the good. I, and I want you to do the same. And we are called, isn't this enabling the poor? Maybe. I'm sure the poor people were were just as lazy back then as they are now. God's like, I want you to give them food. I want you to care for them. I want you to love them. And um, so God set up this whole thing of first fruits. He set up this whole thing of this yearly festival. But here's what we know. They didn't do it. Do you guys know that? They actually didn't really do it. They, they maybe like kind of did it sometimes, but we know for sure they didn't celebrate the Feast of Weeks every year. And uh, the Israelites just, they weren't that good at it. Um, and, and did you know it's the same with the church, actually? Do you guys know about 2 to 3% of Christians actually tithe? You guys know that? And of the 2 to 3%, the average is 2.5% of their income. Did you know we're just like the Israelites and we actually don't tithe either? Um, and here's, here's why I think we do that. I know my own heart, and I have this fear in general that if I really follow Jesus, if I really, like, actually start walking with Jesus, like, I'm not going to be okay. Jesus is going to take from me. I'm going to miss out. And the life I could have had, I will lose it because I'm walking with Jesus, And there's some sense in which that's true. There is some sense in which Jesus is like, yeah, remember the cross? Remember when you lose your life? 
But I, in my heart, am like, man, I'm just, I don't know if I can trust God with my life and my money. I think I'd be a better God. So I'm gonna like take care of myself over here in this area. And I have a couple points on that. Uh, God is not a taker. God's a liberator. And when God says, give me your money, did you know he's actually liberating you from your captivity to your money? We're actually captive to our stuff. Where your heart is there, your treasure will be. If you're not willing to let go of money, like you're actually captive to it. You're captive to it. And God is a liberator. You guys maybe heard this. Maybe it's cliche, but it's actually true. I looked it up. You guys heard of the monkey trap? You know, you can catch a monkey. You guys heard of this? You cut a little hole and you put some food in it and the hole's just big enough for the monkey to get its hand in. I've heard this and I literally looked it up and watched like five videos and you can see it on YouTube right now. You literally cut a little hole in like a hill or like a trap and and you put food in there. So the monkey goes in, he puts his hand on whatever the food is and now his hand's bigger and he can't get out and the monkey will not let go so that he can be free. He does not have the will and the thought to like, I'm going to die. I'm trapped. Just let go. Bummer, you don't get whatever the food is, but you get your life. They will not let go. And you can actually watch it on YouTube. Monkeys just sque- like screaming with their hand in a hole and a guy catches a monkey. That's actually what happens. We are like that with our money and with our stuff. And God says, I want to set you free from the trap of holding on to your stuff. You can't serve God and money. And so God says, do you know what? I want you to give me your money, but you are going to gain life in return. You're going to gain freedom in return. And do you know how God does this? Uh, this is a fun uh, church history quote. Um, the idea is this, the expulsive power of a new affection, basically this. Uh, let's say you guys have a dog and it's like, you know how dogs sometimes will play fetch, but they won't let you like, they won't drop the ball so you can throw it again. You're like, just give me the ball and they won't let go or like a rope. You know how dogs don't let go of things? You know, the trick to make a dog let go of a ball is to like give it food instead, right? He's like, one second, oh yeah, I'll take that. I'll drop the ball. You give him something better. You guys know our hearts are like that? You're not, you're not gonna be able by your own will to live your whole life, just sacrifice, 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 give your money, give your money, give your money. You can't just do that. But God says, I want you to give away your stuff and I'm gonna give you something better in return. Do you know a way for your heart to let go of money is to get something better in return. And God says, he says, you may not believe him, but he says, I am worth more than your money. I am better than your money. I am a treasure that's better than your stuff. There's this parable where a man finds a diamond in a field. It's worth more than everything he has. And so he sells all his stuff. Imagine if God right now is like, hey, I want you to sell all your stuff. I'd be like, no way. Unless God was like, I'll write you a billion dollar check in return. Would you do it? Yeah, I'd do it, right? That's crazy. I could just buy all my stuff back and have more. The point is, God is like, I'm worth more than all your stuff. So when you, when you sell it, you're getting me in return. I'm better. I am actually better. And you'd be crazy to hold on to your stuff and say no to God. God's like, you can have me for eternity. I'm better. I'm a better treasure. And we're like, no, I think I want this over here. You guys know this truth? I mean, I've heard it. I don't always believe it, but Jesus says you're actually more blessed when you give stuff than when you receive stuff. I was always, I grew up in the church and I would always think at Christmas, like, that's not true. Because 
it's just not true. I just have more fun getting my things. Um, but I have a greedy heart. And I've actually, the few times where I've given gifts, it's actually, it's actually better, right? Like some of you guys are gift givers and you know that. Like you're like, no, it's actually more fun for me to give gifts. Um, listen to this proverb I read this morning. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Listen to this fun fact. If you tithe, you are statistically more likely to get out of debt quicker. Do you know that? This almost doesn't make sense. Like if I give money away, statistically people who tithe are out of debt quicker than people who don't tithe. Why is that? Because they're not just holding on to their money. Your life will be blessed if you're not just living to hoard all of your stuff. Um, There was a season in my life where I I grew up a little selfish, greedy kid. Then I started hearing this stuff in high school, and uh, I went to Westmont. So I'm at Westmont. You know, it's like Christian school, and I was like, man, I'm a lame Christian. I want to be a better Christian. I want to start sacrificing. I read this book uh, about this guy who, like, was just loving homeless people and he was like, and it's good. And I was like, see, I want that. And so I like, I began to like take on this new identity. Like I am going to be generous guy. Like that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start giving my stuff away. I'm going to start going on Friday nights to, to just love on homeless people and give away my money. And, um, I was like, that was like a really big deal for me at the time. And, um, me and a couple other friends were like, it was, to be honest, it, it was all holy at the time, but we, it just was fun. But we're like, hey, what if for spring break? Because you guys just had spring break. Yeah, everyone goes to Mexico. Everyone does this and that. What if we were just homeless and just loved on all the homeless people in Santa Barbara? What if we did that? We're like, nobody does that. We're awesome. We're going to do that. So we literally, I literally like grew out my beard for like three weeks and it was not a beard. And we like, it was so whatever. I went to Goodwill. We got like the nastiest clothes. Like we went to Goodwill to buy clothes to look poor. And then we, we, it was Friday night and we just like, we're not even going to take the shuttle. We're just going to walk down and we're going to be homeless. And so we did, we did that for a week. And I actually did this. We didn't bring any money. We didn't bring any phones. Um, and we were like, gosh, we're just going to be radical for Jesus and generous. And it was cool. It was certainly cool. There's a lot of stories I could tell you. Um, (laughs) a lot, uh, I'll just tell you one. It's so funny. This is not relevant, but it's good. So we like had made some friends and we go, hey, we're like homeless friends. And they're like, oh, dude, this is awesome what you're doing. One of them gave us his brand new sleeping bag. He's like, no, you'll need it. We're like, oh my gosh, he's just giving us his brand new sleeping bag. And we're like hanging out. And this guy who we've never seen is like, hey, oh guys, hey, come, you got to come sleep with me. I have the sweet spot. And we're like, we're trying to be radical. And we're like, okay, I guess we'll go with this guy who's crazy. And he's like, you got to come with me. So we walk down East Beach and we walk left towards like Butterfly for a while, walking with a guy we just met. And he's like, yeah, here's my awesome spot. And so we like start laying out our stuff and we're like laying down to sleep. And one of my friends had like, you know, like sleeping bag, like the swishy sleeping bag. And it kept getting sand on it naturally because you're sleeping on the sand. And my friend kept like, like dusting it off, dusting it off, dusting it off. <laughs> and we're just laying there and my friend's just dusting it off. And the guy loses his mind. He literally snaps. And I can't even, he just starts, what the? And just all the craziest things you could say. And we're just frozen like around the corner in this bluff, just like, we are going to die. We're actually going to die. What have we done? And then we're just laying there. And he like stops. So we're just like, oh my gosh. And then we're literally like, we're just, we just got to run. On the count of three, we're just going to run. One, two, three. We just took off running. That was like the first night. That's just a funny story. 
It has nothing to it. But there was this point where one of our friends gave us a little envelope and she was like, hey, I want you to open this halfway through. Um, it was honestly really hard. Like we didn't eat you, for one day if you don't eat. You guys know you're, it's, not, you're, it's not a fun thing anymore. So we're just begging for food. Just people are disgusted at us. Um, and it was like a Sunday morning. It was that Sunday after, you know, started on Friday. And we're at a church. We're actually at Ocean Hills, where some people go here, Ocean Hills. Um, and we like slept out front. And then we're in church. And, you know, you're kind of getting looks like, are these guys really? I don't know, whatever. So we're sitting in church. And we opened this little letter, letter our friend wrote us. And she was like, hey, good job. I wanted to give you guys $5 each. Just go get some food. We were like, oh, thank you, God. Like, I'm just thinking like Little Caesars. I mean, entire pizza. Like, thank you, God. And then right after we open it, in the middle of church, they're like, yeah, hey, guys, we're going to do offering now. And like, I think it was the Holy Spirit. We all were just like, no, we got to be radical. We got to give our money away. And we're just like, no, like, just I could just see the pizza, like, leaving. (laughs) And so we put the $5 in, we give all our money, and I was literally depressed, walking out. And then as we're walking out, this guy comes up. He's like, hey, during church, I I felt like the Lord wanted me to do this. And he hands us a $100 bill. And we're like, no way. Like, God is real. Tithing is real. I'm always tithing no matter what. And we were so stoked. Like, that's just, an, that's one example of when you're generous, like, you just, it's just better. God's going to take care of you. It's just a cool thing. There's this verse in uh, Malachi. You guys have probably heard this. Listen to this promise God says. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you blessing until there is no more need. So I have a feeling there's probably at least a good chunk of us who just don't tithe. We don't make a lot of money. We're scared. We're going to miss out. We're not going to be okay. And I just want to encourage you guys. Like you can, you can actually try it out and watch as the Lord just blows your mind as you loosen your grip on money. So that's, I'm kind of addressing, that's, that's like some of us, most of us, hard to give away our money. But there's this other thing that happens when we get to this age. You're like, no, I want to follow Jesus for real. And this is where I was at. I'm like, you know what? I used to be greed guy. Now I'm just going to be generous guy. And, um, you know, like some of us are into like that, social justice. Like we want to be radical. We want to follow Jesus. We're going to tithe. We're going to give away our stuff. We, like some of you may be known for just being really generous, for, for tithing, for just hanging out with homeless people or people like, some of you guys, like that's who you are. And that's cool. That's, that's an amazing thing. And that's kind of, I turned this like, I was over here and I was like, nope, I'm going to be over here. And I lived my life over here for many years. Um, and I learned in that process there's actually some danger to living over here that I didn't know about. Um, I knew I was greedy, a greedy guy, and I was like, do you know what? The way to fight my greed is through my sacrifice. I'm just going to sacrifice. Every time I feel greedy, I'm just going to sacrifice. Every time I want to hold on to my stuff, I'm just going to give it away. Uh, I would read verses, like there's this verse in Matthew 25, this passage, where Jesus says he's the very end of the world, and he says, uh, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me something to drink. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. Um, and that's how he separates who goes to heaven or hell. This people was generous with the poor. This people wasn't. And, and I had, you guys, to, to be honest, some real fear. Like, oh, crap. Am I, have I done that? Yeah, I've done that. Okay, no, I got to feed homeless people. I got to give my stuff away. I got to go visit people in prison. And then 
I would do it, but then I'm like, but am I doing it enough? And how do I know if it's enough? And how do I know when is enough and when's not enough? And I would begin to live in this place of fear, like, am I giving away enough? Am I generous enough? Am I caring for the poor enough? Am I radical enough? Am I sacrificial enough? And do you know what happened? I burned out. I honestly, guilt lasts for a good while, and then it runs out. Guilt actually runs out. And there's a point where I was like, I don't care. I'm tired. I'm not going to go feed homeless people right now. I'm just going to go to Chipotle and eat a burrito for myself. Like, you burn out. And I was fueled by this desire to be good enough. And I lived in this fear of not being like Jesus enough. And there is certainly a trap to your, to your greed. But you guys, there's also a trap of finding your identity and your worth and your, the, the love of God for you in what you do for God. That's a trap. Do you know that? You know, there's a real trap of, man, I'm awesome. I'm killing it. I'm giving away my stuff. I am getting right with God because I just gave that away to the homeless person and my status with God just went up a notch. That's a trap. That is a trap and you will not last over here. You will not last. You'll never know, am I giving enough? And every time you spend money on yourself, like you could have given it away. And it was just guilt. There's a guy in, in church history named Martin Luther. And he began, he was this guy. And he's like, nope, I got to do this right. And then he became this guy. And he's like, I'm going to be perfect. And he just fell apart trying to obey God perfectly. And here's the truth, you guys. You can never give away enough to make you holy or righteous before God. You can never Give away enough. It's never enough. You're not enough. You can never be sacrificial enough to make God happy with you. You can't do it. And you guys, here's the truth. Yes, we're called to be generous with the world, with God, with our money, but we're not the saviors. The gospel is that God gave himself for us who weren't enough. That's the gospel. You will never be saved by some radical act of sacrifice. By a radical life of sacrifice, you can't save yourself. And so God looked down and says, you know what? I have a lot. I have a lot. I'm God. And I'm going to empty myself. And I'm going to give everything I have for sinners who aren't enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour out everything I have for greedy people, and I'm going to pour out everything I have for really righteous, awesome, sacrificial people because neither of them are right before me. You guys have heard this. Every time you try to offer your righteousness to God, it's like offering a filthy rag. You can't, you can't do it enough. You're not a perfect sacrifice. You're not a perfect lamb. Your generosity for God cannot cut it. You guys, God is the giver not us. God takes initiative to save. We can't ultimately give to God any bit of sacrifice you give to God. Remember, he gave you the ability to make the sacrifice in the first place. Everything you do, it's already his. And so it's so important. Yes, we give to God and to the poor, but man, we do not save ourselves. Jesus saves us. And you know what? This This is pretty interesting. Tithe, uh, like Sabbath, if you were here a week ago, I don't remember, I think a week ago. Did you know you actually don't have to do it? Did you guys know that? Do you know, according to the Bible, you do not have to tithe? 
I'm going to read you three verses that are going to blow your mind. Romans 7, verse 6 says, Now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that now we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the written way of the, co- of the written code. Galatians 5.18, If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Ephesians 2, 13 and 15, through 15. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by your sacrifice and love for people. No, by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Listen, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances so that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. You guys, if you're a Christian, are not under the law. You're not. This book does not make you right with God. If you perfectly obeyed it, this is not how you get made right with God. The blood of Jesus for your sins is what makes you right with God. And so we don't give and obey and sacrifice to make God happy with us. We can't do that. We obey and give and sacrifice because God is happy with us in Christ. The only way to sustain a life of radical sacrifice and love is to know I'm already loved by God right now. I've already, I've failed. I haven't done it, but I'm loved by God right now. Before spring break, when you go do something cool for God, he loves me. And because I'm loved by God and I'm free from the law, man, I want to give back to the Lord because I love him, not to earn love from him. And so the New Testament says, hey, you don't have to tithe. You're not under the law, but you are expected to bear fruit and to be generous. And you know what? When Jesus looks at the law, do you know what he always does? Here's the bar of the law, 10%. Do you know what Jesus always does? He just raises the bar. You've heard it was said, don't commit adultery. Hey, I'm saying don't even lust. You're like, what? You've heard it said, don't murder. Okay, check. Nope, don't even be angry. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. Because you know what? If you tithe, if you were in the Old Testament, you tithed, if it were me, I'd be like, all right, I'm good. I tithe 10%. I'm good with God. I'm fine. Done my duty. I don't need to be generous anymore. I've done what I need to do. Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to more radical, sacrificial, generous giving than your 10%. Write a check. You feel good. God is saying, you're to serve in the new way of the Spirit. You're to be generous and cheerful as you give. To be honest, I just want the rule. I just want to know I'm doing a good job. Like God say, hey, good job, son. You tithed 10%. That's what I want. But what he says is, hey, that's cool, 10%. Thanks. And, and that's kind of, he's like, that's all you got? Not, not like guilt, but like, okay. And I'm like, dang it, I know I'm still greedy, but I gave my 10%. Like, I don't want to, Lord. But he wants our heart. Jesus wants our heart. And so here's a couple of New Testament guidelines. Uh, 10%, that's cool. If you guys want to give 10%. Paul says, here's what I want you to do. 1 Corinthians 16 says, concerning the collection for the saints, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. So here's the point. We're just supposed to set something aside, intentional. We're not supposed to wait until the offering basket comes and like, oh, I should give something and just empty our wallet and then we feel good. He said, I want you to intentionally set something aside. Um, And in general, it's been said, tithe is a good starting point. It's a good starting point. 
It's God doesn't say 10%. He doesn't say 5%. He doesn't say 20%. He just, people have said, tithe's a good starting point, but, but it's pretty standard to think, all right, I'll give tithe, but, but additional is more. I, I want to be generous. I want to be a generous person. I want to be marked by my generosity. Another point Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 3, he says this, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. So what Paul's saying there is, I want you to give sacrificially. I want you to give beyond your means. Like, man, this is going to cost me something. Like, I want to buy something for my new, like, record collection, but I'm not. This hurts. David, uh, when he was going to buy the land to make the temple, the guy was like, dude, just take it. It's free. It's my gift. And David said, I'm not going to take something that didn't cost me anything. David was like, I want this to hurt. I want this to be a sacrifice unto the Lord. A true sacrifice. Jesus is saying, I want you to give generously and sacrificially. Another one, uh, New Testament helps us think about giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. To be honest, when I hear that, I'm like, God loves a cheerful giver. Like, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to care and be cheerful in my, in my giving. But the Lord's saying, I want your heart to be joyful from what I've done for you. And I want you to give joyfully. Here's another thing the New Testament says about giving. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That gets to the heart for me. I don't want to give because I'm not going to be okay. That's honestly how I am. I don't want to give because what if I'm not okay? And he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm not, I got you, he's saying. I got you. And so like Sabbath, um, if you were here for that, you're not commanded to Sabbath, tithe. You're not commanded to tithe. But there's a lot of beauty and freedom that comes when you set a day aside to be with the Lord and to not be a slave to work. And there's beauty and freedom that comes when you take some money and say, I'm going to give it away to the Lord and to the poor because I'm not a slave to my money. And so... uh, I'm really fearful, honestly, to do this, but we're going to actually start taking an offering here. Honestly, in my fear, I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't want to be like that thing that asks for money. But then I'm like, whatever, if these people think poorly of me, I want to be, give them an opportunity to give joyfully to the Lord. Like, we're actually robbing you of joy, of giving to the Lord. Um, we're not going to do it tonight because it's biblical to set something aside. So here's my challenge to you guys. Find an amount, set it aside, bring it every single week. Don't just give what's in your wallet on the spot. Um, Pray, talk to the Lord, plan it, set it aside, put it in your budget, and and come and give it. Um, So here's what we're going to do as we kind of transition to worship. Some of you just tend to be over here in greedy land. That's me oftentimes. Um, And if you have a really hard time giving your money to the Lord, the last thing I would say to you is maybe you don't really understand what Jesus has given for you. Maybe you don't quite get it in your heart that Jesus has given me everything. And when I get Jesus, I have a treasure that's worth more than all the money in the world. And so if that's you, here's, here's what you gotta do. Man, I gotta look 
at Jesus and his love and his sacrifice for me. He bled and died and suffered the wrath of God for my sin that I could have life and forgiveness for eternity. If you're just struggling with greed, man, go look to the cross and what God has done for you. And let your heart repent of, man, God, help me. I'm sorry for clinging to my money. And then if, if you're over here and uh, you tend to just find your identity and like, man, I'm generous and I'm sacrificial and I love so well. You need to look to the cross and remember there's nothing you can do to save yourself. You were bad enough, Jesus had to die and bleed for you. If you think you're awesome, remember Jesus had to bleed and die and suffer the wrath of God for your sin. You're that bad. Your, your sacrifice doesn't make you right with God. And so as we worship, look to the cross of Jesus and know you're free from earning the love of God. You're free from earning the love of God. You cannot earn it. It's a gift to you. And then both of us, let us, as we know what Jesus has done, be like, man, I'm loved by God. So I wanna give. I wanna give generously to the Lord. So we're gonna worship. Um, I wanna close with, with this verse. If you wanna flip there in Isaiah 55. We're going to read the first three verses. Because I know this is all of us this week. Um, I know we feel like we lack, we don't have enough. Man, I'm about to go worship, but I don't know if I have it in me. Listen to these few verses. The Lord says this, Come, everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters. And he who has no money, some of you guys feel like, dude, I got nothing to give the Lord. To he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. How can you do that? Because of Jesus. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. What he's saying here is, hey, we don't have enough. We don't have enough to earn. We don't have enough to buy. We can't even take care of ourselves. But God says, come to me. I have enough for you. I am enough for you. Are you thirsty? Come to me. Come and drink of me. Are you hungry? Come and be satisfied in me. Jesus is saying, I'm enough. And so right now, we're just gonna look to Jesus together. We're gonna look at Jesus. We're gonna taste and see that he's good. We're gonna have carpets up here for you to just get on your face. We're gonna have communion to remember what Jesus did for you and that you can be made right with God because of Jesus. We're gonna have people on the left and right who are gifted, anointed in prayer. Um, hey, come confess your sin. Come confess your struggles. Come confess like, man, I'm not doing good or I just need encouragement and they're gonna pray for you. And then the last thing I would say is you guys pray for one another. Like you're the body of Christ. You guys, you guys can, can love each other better than anybody else in this room can. You guys know. So pray for one another. Be honest with one another. And uh, let's look to Jesus together.